Welcome to the Dad Bod Pod. I'm your host, James Schleicher. With me is our unpaid intern and trusty tri-host, Seth Wispelway. Welcome back to the pod, Seth. Always a pleasure. I'm here and, as always, horny for the hot takes. Horny for hot takes. <laughs> Seth, you had a, a mixed week in your unpaid intern role. There was the snafu with scheduling, thought we were going on Tuesday, and then all of a sudden last-minute cancellation. Here we are on Thursday, but we got the pot on the books. And to make up for it, you uh, you have a little man on the street segment coming later in the episode. So I yeah. I think overall you came out ahead, but it was it was up and down. Yeah, surprise visit from a league member will be a surprise segment. Uh, I think that brings us up to five five league members on the pod this year. I think so. Do you want to publicly shame those we still need to come on so that my hot take that we get every single league member and an alumnus and a nameless wife? Such a bold, bold claim. Yeah, so in addition to you and me, we've had the commissioner, Zach. Mm -hmm. We've had the negligent co-host, Matt. We've had commissioner emeritus, Travis. And we've had gravy seal and now a surprise guest who is not one of those aforementioned so that brings us up to seven uh and i guess i'll be giving away the surprise by um, naming who else would be not naming so, yeah, who's coming but yeah michael Benz is on notice if he wants to hold on to his trophy as is Sean Greer, who has articulated a desire to come on, and then uh, Dwellement Construction himself, uh, Stephen Dumluck. Sean uh, Greer himself, Mr. 15 Minutes of Fame, getting all the airtime on Sunday Night Football last week at the, right. the Bills-Packers game. That's right. I admired the chutzpah of... Sean showing up in a Green Bay Brett Favre jersey in the midst of the Bills Mafia and just putting himself in front of that camera. I've been the opposing team's fan in an NFL stadium before. I saw my New York Giants. It's the only NFL game I've ever been to. My New York Giants play the Washington team back in, I don't know, 2000 seven and just like waiting in line at the bathroom i got like some vitriol spit at me so i admire sean just putting it out there in buffalo land that almost counts as half a pod appearance that that media exposure for the league those media those media impressions like we were talking about two thousand listens i wouldn't be surprised if we're up to two hundred thousand by next week uh, when people uh, Google who that guy was. Totally agree. And you saw Tony Dungy on a plane. So I big, big thanks for the league. Great work by Sean. Hopefully get him on the pod to talk about it in the near future. Yeah, Funnily Tony's, enough, Tony might even plug it on SNF uh, this week. Yeah, it looked like he was listening on the plane to the podcast. So <laughs> glad to know that Tony... Tony Dungy is a, a loyal listener. Hopefully we can get him to become a Patreon subscriber and, right. and become on the pod one day. That's right. uh, but funnily enough, 
I also have only been to one NFL game in my life. Your New York football giants in Philadelphia playing the Eagles. Wow. You want to guess the quarterbacks in that game? Uh, Kerry Collins and Donovan McNabb? Not not a bad guess. It was before that, though. It was Bobby Hoying, and I want to say Kent Graham. Kent Graham! <laughs> wow! My, my memory is, is not failing me here. I believe those were the two quarterbacks in the game. I don't even know who that first one was, you said. Bobby Hoying, Philadelphia Eagles legend. Look at that stat line. That's an interesting blast from the wasteland of the 90s for which the, the Giants and Eagles were not a party to the other dominant. There's the Cowboys, the Niners, the Broncos. That's kind of my memory of what the NFL was in the 90s. Yeah, I know. With that reference, I, I feel like you. I feel like you come on and you're like, yeah, Pee Wee's Playhouse and <laughs> all these other things that I have no idea what you're talking about. And I feel like I just dated myself with Bobby Hoyne and Ken Grant. That's right. Wow. I couldn't even name another Giants player from those days. I, I could do the early 90s uh, when Phil Sims and Lawrence Taylor and Leonard Marshall and all those guys were on the team. But, man, whew. All I right. don't know if that was Monty Toomer's time or if that was before his time, but maybe maybe nope. Monty Toomer. I think that was before. Ah, oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, here we are podcasting about podcasting. And, man, memory lane. <laughs> it's the week after Halloween. Mm -hmm. We're in the second half of the fantasy regular season. Solid place to talk about, well, who looks solid and who doesn't. We've done a lot of kind of make-believe slandering, prognosticating so far, making bold claims. A lot of that hot air, though, comes out of not having too much of a data set. I think we've got enough now to firmly articulate what's a real pattern and what's an outlier uh, as, as we settle into place and as parity reigns in our league. Half the league has a losing record. No, more than half the league has a losing record. Half the league has a three and five record, uh, which puts two of them into playoff contention right now, at least. What are your thoughts on the way this is kind of shaking out? Um, the wins have been hard to come by for a lot of folks. They have been. And some people at the top, Seth, have <laughs> benefited from a run of good luck. Others, Travis, I'm going to throw myself in there, have, have uh, run, run into tough times and lost a couple of close matchups that you, know, you kind of would have expected to have uh, pulled off there. But yeah. parity is reigning supreme. Everybody's still kind of in it, although Matt might be running out of room for false hope. It's it's getting dicey there. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think we're approaching the witching hour That's of right. when dreams become realities. So I'm I'm holding on to sixth place by the skin of my teeth. I think I'm ahead on points by like fifteen from seventh place and hoping that I can uh end this three game losing streak and get back in the W column, but 
It's not yeah, going to come easy going up against Big D this week. He's been putting up the points. Gravy has. I don't know that – I don't know why you're picking on me since Eric's neat team has the same record as I do. I have the fourth most points, so I have definitely benefited from some people laying down on the job against me. Uh, not going to lie, a lot of those points came just this past week against <laughs> the Commissioner Meredith, 170. like to think that's a new pattern, but you're right. A lot of high point scores yourself, Travis, Sean. Trav started out 3-0. He's now 3-5. and But Yahoo's projections, which typically are worth nothing, do say that a couple 6-8 and eight teams are going to make the playoffs. So there's going to be a lot of jostling, which means, though, since Matt's 1-7, if he wins out, he's technically like third or fourth place. <laughs> Um, and as we're about to get into, I actually, I don't think Matt's going to finish last. There's some troubling trends out Ooh. there. Um, okay. but you're right. I think dreams are going to turn into reality. It's funny you mentioned that I've been really getting into, really getting into good horror films lately and catching up on the ones I was never allowed to watch, uh, growing up. So there's been this amazing trend. I won't take up too much time on this in the past decade for like what's called elevated horror, like real slow burn, dread building, uh, great stuff. But in catching Does up on Peel fall into that category or is he kind of a separate horror? Yeah, he's kind of a separate thing. He's kind of like his own unique standard bearer and, and Nope and Us and Get Out are terrific. Um, there, there's this other kind of subset of, of things that are going on like from filmmaker Ty West, who's done like the house of the devil and X and then Ari Aster who's done like hereditary and Midsummer. Um, oh my gosh. If you want an amazing movie recommendation to watch with the lights out by yourself, check out barbarian on HBO max, go in knowing nothing about it. All right, so this is turning into a thing. I don't want it to, but I've been catching Definitely. up on things like The Exorcist and Carrie and these ones I haven't seen before, including A Nightmare on Elm Street, which I never saw uh, as a child of the 80s because I was definitely never allowed to. And that's all about dreams turning into reality. So maybe that's a good segue into what's going to be the nightmare where we, where a team wakes up dead and what's going to be the one where you wake up and save your own life with your lineup. Uh, you had this great idea for a segment. It's Halloween week. We're, we're going trick-or-treating. We're going to look at one player on each team and talk about their performance. Has it been a trick so far? Has it been a treat? And do we expect that trend to continue, or do we think it's going to painfully reverse course in the second half of the year? So without... Any more ado? We've gotten our our culture fix here. We've done some catch up. We mentioned Sean's fifteen minutes of fame. Let's start at the top. Big D. This past week, Ezekiel Elliott goes to the bench. People have been clamoring for Tony <laughs> Pollard to be RB one all year. He finally gets his chance with Zeke out. Puts up thirty some points. Is this finally? Finally, the performance needed to have Tony be the lead back in a 60-40 split. Zeke's gonna they're gonna feed Zeke. He's not 
he's not out of the picture unless the injury gets worse. But is this what's needed to make Tony Pollard RB1 in Dallas? And he kind of needs it because CEH looking like RB2 in Kansas City. So Tony Pollard, 30 points, RB1 in Dallas, trick or treat for Brian. I'm going to say a qualified treat. I like the way you frame that 60-40 because Dallas, as we know, is a unique institution in that the owner is the one who came out and said Zeke is RB1. You know, you don't hear these things from the coach or the beat writers or everything. So the word has come on from on high from Lord Jerry. But the truth is, yeah. Pollard's a more explosive player. He was always going to be an intriguing, you know, not idiotic flex to play even with Zeke. I think given the injury stuff, the injury concerns, Dak is back and the Cowboys aspirations, 60, 40, 70 to 30. And they put in Zeke at like the goal line and stuff. So I don't think it's going to, I mean, Brian's running in that, riding that tree as long as Zeke is out, but I think he's got, Bonafide RB two the rest of the way, and you're right; it, it covers a multitude of sins that is Ross during a Kansas City Chiefs running back. So treat. I'm also going to go qualified treat. I like the way that you you phrased that part. I think he does has have standalone value, even when Zeke is healthy, and I think this past game earns him a few more opportunities. I don't see it getting more than fifty fifty. When Zeke's back, even after the game, Jerry Jones says, we go as Zeke goes, which is not what the Cowboys fans who just saw Tony Pollard run all over the Chicago Bears wanted to hear. So I I, I don't think Zeke is drops more than 50%, but I think this does get Pollard a little more volume than what he was seeing before the injury. And even just a matter of like trying to keep Zeke as healthy as possible, I think yeah. they give... Tony Pollard a little bit more run and with his athleticism explosiveness could lead to very solid RB2 running back production that could replace CEH and keep uh, the gravy seals at the top of the board. I think that's right. I think and, and remembering that Brian got him off the waiver dropped by Eric's neat team for 51 bucks. I think that was solid. I, I lament not going more all in on that um for sure and i'm not the cowboys fan here like you and brian are but you know given the championship or bust state of mentality of these new york yankees of the nfl i find it hard to believe that you know you get towards season end in the playoffs which at that point is less fantasy relevant that jerry's not gonna like maybe switch course if like they really had to like it McCarthy's going to have to do his thing. I don't know, but we're a little short on time. So, Brian, welcome to your well-spent treat. That's that's the full candy bar. Yeah, one final thought there. Trade deadline also happened on Tuesday. Cowboys were talking about Brandon Cooks. Couldn't ultimately make something come together. Big, big trick for Zach there. Um, with Brandon staying in Houston, not happy about it. Uh, but the Cowboys didn't get a wide receiver, and they kind of needed some help there. So there's been some talk about maybe OBJ down the line, but without making that wide receiver move, I think you need to be creative about the way that you're getting Tony Pollard's ball. So yeah. 
just more ammunition for the the arrow pointing up on Tony Pollard. That's right. Good receiving back. As long as my boy Dalton Schultz starts uh, getting it more, stays healthy. All right. We we spent a little bit too much time there, but I think it was me subconsciously trying to avoid talking about our second place team, which of course is Crucifictorious and (laughs) Seth. Seth, going through your roster, I think the player we have to talk about here is DeAndre Hopkins. You stash him, couldn't put him in the IR spot, so you took up a valuable bench spot for the first six weeks of the season while he's suspended, comes back and immediately starts dominating targets. Dominating. Hollywood Brown probably out for another month or so. So does DeAndre Hopkins continue his toward two-game pace of looking like a wide receiver one, or does he turn into a pumpkin? I... I, I say this as someone who worries about all my players busting. I really think I got the whole bowl of candy here. And, you know, I did draft him. And for a half second until Zach told me otherwise, I drafted him being like, oh, this is my plan. I'm going to put him right on IR and just <laughs> hold on to him. And you're like, you can't do that with a suspended player. But, and, you know, I was worried about his age. No, I think I got the whole bowl of candy here because even when Hollywood Brown comes back, even with Rondell Moore, like, Rondell Moore had a huge blow-up game, and Nuck did not score a touchdown his first game back. It's the targets and the yardage. I I think it's uh, other teams are damned if you do, damned if you don't, because Nuck is going to get fed. He's got hands like glue, and even if he doesn't score a touchdown, like they're going to – and Kyler loves him. Kyler is so excited to have him back. Total security blanket. And if they try to triple team him, they're going to get hurt otherwise. They just can't do it. So unless he suffers a freak injury, I now have like almost a more consistent WR1 than A.J. Brown, who put up bonkers numbers this past week. But it's also a nice treat to have in the middle of bye weeks, um, given that I've had some – I traded away an RB1 for Kyler and – DeAndre Swift has, seems to be having nagging injuries that might continue all all year. So to have this alongside A.J. Brown, since the Colts have turned a guy I was hot on, Michael Pittman, um, I don't know. I Nug is a treat that's going to keep treating me. Um, and I think, I think, like, assuming, barring anything else, like real league winner possibility. I don't know if I'll go so far as saying league winner possibility, but I do agree. I I think this is the treat that keeps on treating. The Cardinals offense didn't look good the first four or five weeks of the season. No. And I think Kyler is super excited to have him back. He's been force feeding him like crazy. Like you said, didn't even get a touchdown in the first game and put up a, a great number. If the, the touchdowns start to come in bunches like they did for AJ Brown last week. You know, he's, he's in the stratosphere and Hollywood Brown out for a while. James Connor still kind of banged up. Yeah. You know, they, they need him to be that guy. And I, I see that trend continuing. For sure. Eric's neat team. Number three has some of the least points in the league for, and the least points again, but you can't knock the record. 
Um, who, uh, I mean, how's he do it? And, uh, is his whole team a trick or treat? And, and where do you, what, what player would you name as, uh, keeping him atop or burying him alive? So we talked about two here. And I think the, the trick that we pull here is that we're, we're going to talk about both. First one, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase has been exactly who he was drafted to be at the beginning of the season. But then hip injury, maybe he goes on IR. They end up not putting him on IR. But what, what do you think Jamar Chase is the rest of the season? Do you think he comes back? Like hip is not the type of injury that I want a wide receiver to have. Like ankle sprain, knee sprain. Right. You, you kind of know what you're getting. And a lot of that is like pain tolerance. Right. Uh, hip, like that. that's just your explosiveness. That's your change of direction. It, it scares me. In spooky right. season, it scares me. So do you think this this becomes an issue? And, you know, even if he's playing, you don't know, like, do you have a fully healthy Jamar Chase? What are you going to get? Uh, right. Do you think he, he treats or tricks the rest of the year? I think tricks uh, for a few the reasons you said. Like, they were like, oh, he's just got a sore hip. Then it turns out it's a fracture, which that doesn't sound good. I mean, like, I don't understand how, like, for example, Jameis Winston is playing. He's got four fractures in his back, but he's just – he's playing, like – but a wide receiver and a torn labrum. I mean, the man has to stretch his arms up and run. You know, sometimes we see people like kind of bring people back like, okay, he can run. And they use the, they use the term decoy receiver. I've never really seen that work. Like, cause teams know it's like obvious, like just put a guy on him. And the Bengals were flat out bad without mm-hmm. him. And, and there was a lot of data. It's like, is it because they're without Jamar Chase? I don't know. So I, I don't, not a doctor, but that doesn't seem good. And I think you risk making it worse. And the Bengals didn't have an answer for the Browns whatsoever. Their offensive line is horrible. So it's not someone like you're going to be throwing to if like, um, meaning if he's not like Burroughs first look, you're not going to be throwing it to him if he's like hobbling down the runway with that offensive, like avoiding sacks. So Total trick. But you know what? Eric is still six and two. And we've got a little treat for you, which is that Eric isn't worried about that because he's got another player in mind that's going to treat him all the way to the playoffs. I mean, to be fair, you know, Eric didn't say championship. I said that. But this might be a point to uh, tee it up for a little man on the street interview straight out of uh, Tucson, Arizona. Let's go to Tucson. Welcome back to the Dad Pod Pod. I'm your unpaid intern, Seth Wispelay. With me as always, or at least today, is Eric's neat team. Eric. He's here. He's we here. traveled all the way to Arizona to record this. That's right. We felt, um, like, we felt like it would be a good, uh, um, just a good way to get to know each other a little bit better. That's right. Um, so that beating each other feels a little bit worse or losing two of the other feels a little bit worse. That's right. That's right. I just wanted someone to admit that they fear my team since <laughs> I can't force it out of y'all. Eric and his good 
uh, ringer who picks all his players for him, John, uh, collusion, brought some chilly weather. So to spice things up, we had some great burritos, tacos, and salsa. And now we're going to need a hot take because it's legitimately chilly here in Tucson. We're walking and talking right now. Zach, have fun editing this. Eric, before you head up to your event, give us the spiciest spicy take you can on football, fantasy football, life, I just anything. I kind of... Yeah. I, I have watched football during weddings. <laughs> <laughs> Bold admission. Bold uh, admission. This is going on the internet. Usually it's Saturdays when I'm watching, but since UVA has kind of sucked it up, there's less desire to watch anything. And the plane rides home on Sunday are generally just watching football on the plane. Thanks to satellite, live satellite <laughs> yeah. dish network. I'm at the point where if I'm not flying Delta with their live ESPN, what are we doing? What are we doing in this world? That's right. All right. Uh, Dulcich, he's going to be my key to key to victory after this week because he has a bye this week. But You heard it here first. Dulcich, I don't even know his first name, is Eric's rocket ship to the championship. Eric is sitting at number three as of this recording. Brian's hot takes have come true so far. What team does Dulcich play for? <laughs> I think he's on the Broncos. He's on the Broncos. He's on the Broncos. He has the best mustache. He, he's a first year. He's, a, he's right out of the gate. Oh, that's right. First year. What a So Dulcich the mustache is going to be Eric's rocket ship to the playoffs. Are you going to be the newcomer who wins the championship in Brian's hot take over me? Eric's neat team might be. Eric's need team. Yeah, at six and two, you don't even want to go expert now, do you? I don't want to jinx myself. Don't jinx it. All right. Well, this bonus mini pod has been brought to you by Sace Kitchen. Sace Kitchen, Mexican food for when you visit Seth in Tucson for lunch. This has also been brought to you by Decibel Coffee. Decibel Coffee. Hot takes, hot coffee. All right, we're back from Tucson. What a delightful man on the street segment, courtesy of our unpaid intern and Eric. Yeah, shoe leather, shoe leather work. Thank you, Eric, for uh, putting in the coursework. I love that. How how was it to get some uh, dad bod league in person time? It was it was great. You know, it was funny. Eric and I kind of joke because we've always like known each other ish, known who each other are like literally kind of man on the street like in charlottesville like hey how's it going like you know I, I yeah, small town and everything but like that was the first time we actually like sat down and hung out ever outside of like that draft maybe years ago uh we talked about dadding dadding of preteens uh, we each have 12 year olds uh we talked about elevated horror films we talked about the wedding photography business uh, we ate some really good uh mexican food so uh and he had a colleague with him who knows a bunch about our league. So as we look to maybe grow to 12, uh, we've got a solid candidate. Uh, you can hear his voice in that clip as well. So uh, that made my day. I haven't made too much. I haven't been able to meet too many people out here because I moved shortly before the pandemic. So real shout out to Eric's neat team. Uh, though, as he said, now that we hung out and know each other better, it's going to be harder to uh, lose to the other or beat them. <laughs> That's that's just an occupational hazard of, of being in the league. 
And yeah, yeah, that sounds so fun. Hoping to make it down to Charlottesville um, the weekend of the nineteenth. So <laughs> hoping, hoping to see some people in like two weeks here. Nice. And I, I still got to make it to Tucson for a Cardinals game. Hey, I will get a ticket if you want to. Uh, take there's a, some good ones. Take a look at uh, what December's looking like. Um, hey, uh, Buccaneers on Christmas Day. Uh, I could see Tom go out. Um, all right. Well, that would be great. I uh, just remembered to post a picture to the group me or it didn't happen. <laughs> Got to make it happen. All right. Number all right. four, Steven. CMC does get moved before the deadline goes to the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan's zone scheme, very running back friendly. Uh, doesn't do too much week one with the 49ers. Week two, Steven, dumb luck, gets a passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown, and a receiving touchdown. I mean, do you think, do you think CMC, number one if, fantasy asset? If Pollard. Is back? Yeah, if Pollard is like getting a full candy bar in the bowl and Nuck is the whole bowl, Steven's got Willy Wonka's whole chocolate factory here. Ooh. I mean, the one qualifier to that is Debo Samuel is out. Um, and obviously the 49ers feel good about Eli Mitchell's progress to ship off Jeff Wilson. But the creativity, this plays to all of Jimmy G's if you want to call them skill sets or needs as a quarterback. Um, and it's CMC, like the, the person that everyone was drafting first, you know, in the past handful of years has, has come home to his college town. And uh, this is, this is their, their actually, you know what, maybe Debo isn't even a qualifier because when they have him back, it's just going to be like that much more running and shifting and trickery the amount um, but, of stress that's going to put on defenses. Yeah, CMC is going to get fed, or you know, he's going to throw it to Debo. Um, this is this is like Josh Allen scary. So that's what I have to say about that. Partly because of time, but yeah. Big big Willy Wonka factory treat for Steven, and that was the difference in our matchup last week, along with Devonte Adams being the biggest trick. Whew. And that's that's how it breaks sometimes. Number five, Travis, Commissioner Emeritus. I'm going to say Dante Foreman, who he cleverly picked up off waivers, because why not? You always want a team's RB1 or 1A um, after CMC was traded. Blew up, did good the first week in the one roll, blew up this past week in that crazy game with the Falcons. Another 30 uh, plus point finisher. Shuba Hubbard's also hurt, but come on, it's the Panthers, like along with DJ Moore. Like, I, I think th this is not sustainable. Uh, meaning the whole team didn't all of a sudden become crazy good, and <laughs> someone's gonna lock down Dante Foreman. I mean, nothing against Dante Foreman, but. Travis, um, the honeymoon's honeymoon's over. There's razor blades in that cupcake. Looking at Travis's roster, he is trying to make up for this zero RB build that he had coming out of the draft with smoke and mirrors. 
and he's just got a stable of of running backs that have been making it work off patchwork but I feel like the house of cards is gonna come down <laughs> at some point in time and i i agree dante foreman feeling like this one's a trick i think he can't sustain it but cordero patterson coming back off ir you know maybe he's got other people that he can plug in there but 30 points if he wasn't playing a 170 point machine and crucifictorious like last week that <laughs> that probably would have been good enough for travis to, to break his losing streak yeah and they were playing the falcons so uh no one's idea of a hot defense or coaching staff which is a good segue to our sixth ranked team jamie negligence mm-hmm. uh Who's trick-or-treating you, my nemesis? It's got to be Kyle Pitts. That's right. He's been tricking me all season. Drafted him as like a third-round player if we're we're putting dollars to to rounds. So I kind of needed him to be a difference maker at that position because it's so weak that if you can get an edge at tight end, I felt felt like that would be great. And he just hasn't done it all season. He's still getting like the percentage of passes target share wise, but it's it's equaling now to like three catches and no touchdowns. And he finally scores double digits for me this week. I need it to be a treat, but my heart tells me it's a trick. It's false hope. And I'm setting myself up for disappointment. How do you yeah. feel about Kyle Pitts? I think that's definitely an ongoing trick. I think there might be a couple more bloke games, but this comes down to feeling like it's really, it's the Atlanta coaching staff. They've got, I mean, look at Drake London, like he's all but disappeared. Marcus Mariota is not incompetent uh, and they have good backup running backs and this and that, but like, there's been a lot of chatter outside of like the Broncos issues and some other coaching staffs. Like what is Atlanta doing? Because you're right. Uh, Pitts was easily projected as being like in the Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey tier. And uh, he's really still on benches because of that draft capital. Like you could easily make a case that Freyermuth or Hurst should be starting over him any given week based on mm-hmm. the numbers alone. Um, so I think, I think it's an ongoing trick, um, but the season's not over yet, but yeah, you've you've been had a bit. Let's keep it with tight ends. Going to number seven. Sean, TJ Hawkinson had one insane three touchdown game earlier in the year. Three touchdowns, you know, like thirty some, thirty-five, thirty-six points. Yeah. Hasn't really done much else. He gets moved at the trade deadline to the Vikings, one of the teams leading the league in pass rate over expectation. Kirk Cousins, who we've maligned a couple of times on this pod, back on Michael Ben's roster this week while Dak's on by. Um, you know, thrown, thrown some touchdowns, and Irv Smith injured, not coming back for a while. Do you think this is the move that Hawkinson joins that elite tier, maybe in like a Kittle range, you know, probably not up in the mm. Andrews-Kelsey range, but becomes a difference-making tight end that all of a sudden, you know, Sean's yeah. weak point that we talked about becomes another one of those dudes for him. You know, I was almost going to disagree, but the way you frame that, 
I agree. I, it's more of a qualified treat, but yeah, because the Vikings games I've seen, Cousins being Cousins does like to go to his tight end, Irv Smith, until now. You know, there were some weeks where he's struggling to get it to Jefferson, but obviously the Vikings are doing quite well. They've turned something on. Dalvin Cook is running angry. Madison is an RB1 on any other team. And yeah, I think knowing Hawkinson's caliber of play, it's going to take a couple weeks, you know, catch up to the playbook, but this is going to improve everything because of who Cousins is and it's going to improve targets for Jefferson, which then comes back to improve things for Hawkinson. And they're just going to be moving well. So on paper, I don't know that it's like kind of a league winning thing, but in a wasteland of tight ends, expecting Kittle like production or consistency, that floor, because yeah, that 35 point game was like more than he had the whole rest of the season uh, combined is, um, Good. So, yeah, uh, Sean's Sean's got a nice bowl, little bowl of candy here uh, that he doesn't need to worry about anymore. And he's got a, you know, with Derrick Henry, uh, if Henry can stay healthy, um, Sean can put up the points. I have to run. I have to go do uh, put the dad business and dad bod. Um, but always a pleasure. Love you all. And I'm excited to hear the rest of this episode. Seth, thanks for joining. Always a pleasure. And we can continue the show with the disappearing Seth. So many spooky things happening. Going to our eighth place team, Louisiana Purchase. Travis Etienne is who we're narrowing in on here. Started off rough. The last two weeks, he's really exploded. Jaguars trade James Robinson to the Jets, clearing the path for a true bell cow roll. And I, I think this is going to be a real treat for Michael down the stretch, along with Kenneth Walker. All of a sudden, his running backs are looking great. He also picked up DJ Moore, could solidify that uh, wide receiver spot for him. He pulled off a little bit of a trick this past week with a 60-yard touchdown in a Hail Mary situation to force overtime. One of the most incredible plays of the year. But if, the, if that can you know solidify as top 24 wide receiver he's got Gabe Davis a lot of a lot of boom potential big plays there Travis Etienne if he can keep doing what he's done the past two weeks uh you know Michael could come on strong at the end here ninth place we're looking at vengeance and we narrowed down on Jonathan Taylor who's been the ultimate trick this year Went number one overall, if we're doing the dollar to player conversion. Most money spent in the league in the draft was on Jonathan Taylor. Puts up 25 points in week one. Only 35 the rest of the way so far. Missed practice again today. His status for this weekend very much in doubt. And unfortunately, see this one kind of continuing to play a trick on Zach for the rest of the season. Uh, just very inconsistent production they've gone to sam ellinger at quarterback with matt ryan injured um they've made that decision that they're going to start sam the rest of the year they trade naheem hines which maybe that brings a little bit more passing volume back to jonathan taylor uh is kind of the hope there for him 
but the offense expecting to take a step back and think this one ultimately just ends up continuing to be a vexing trick for Zach the rest of the way. Finally, our 10th place former champion, Matt McNichol. Uh, I feel like we've been riding you hard this, this season. So do you want to tout your previous championship season? But yeah, this one's been rough. And Josh Jacobs is the player that we're looking at here. Huge treat so far. Probably the biggest treat of the seasons for any team. Uh, you know, you draft Josh Jacobs low. as like maybe running back 30. He's been running back three on the season. Uh, with a torrid stretch of 32 points, 28 points, 35 points. The whole offense looked bad this week in New Orleans. No idea what happened there. As I mentioned, Devontae catches one pass, puts up less than a point. Um, so Josh Jacobs, six points this past week. But think that the tree continues for for Matt here the rest of the year. Um, the volumes look good. He's getting the passing down work. He's scoring touchdowns. He's been doing it all for Oakland, uh, Las Vegas. And yeah, I think he continues to be a, a treat. The trick is that Keenan Allen, who Matt has tried to trade to all of us at some point in time, hamstring acting up again. Sounds like he aggravated that a little bit. And yeah, just hasn't been the player for him this season that he drafted him to be. But those are our tricks. Those are our treats. We had a disappearing Seth. Hit us up in the group me. What did you agree with? What did you disagree with? Thanks to Eric for the man on the street segment. Shout out to Seth for being a good dad and trying hosting the pod today. And our editor, Zach, the best in the game. The rest of you can go fall in a well. Yeah.